what is your name and or your alias? My name is Alex, professionally known as Alex on Weed. Love it. Um, and you are currently in Vancouver, but you are sort of between Vancouver and Toronto. Is that correct? Vancouver, Toronto. Yeah, I've, I've just been hopping around. I spent the last like a uh, few weeks in Edmonton, actually. And um, yeah, going to L.A. next month. That's so awesome. Just kind of being a nomad right now, hopping around. If I didn't know you and I met you in an elevator and I asked what you did, what would you say? What do you do? Uh, music producer, recording engineer, basically. Easiest way to sum it up. Love it. Yeah. Are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. What's the best song of all time? The best song of all time? Oh, man. <laughs> um, it's a lightning round, buddy. It's got to be off uh, Radiohead's Hail to the Thief. Anything off that album, really. I love it. Why? Uh, it's just a masterpiece to me, in my mind, sonically and uh, artistically. I just think it's pretty much a flawless album. That's awesome. Who has the best voice of all time? Who has the best voice of all time? Or one of the best voices of all time? I mean... Maybe, like, I don't know, in terms of, like... Probably one of those old cats, like Etta James or something, but maybe, like, I don't know. Now, if we're talking now, I'd say maybe Abel. The weekend. Love it. Uh, what's your favorite musical group or band of all time? Uh, favorite band of all time is Radiohead. Okay. For sure. Why? I was, um, I don't know. I just think they've consistently put out incredible albums and, um, I don't know. It's so, it's such sad music, but it's like, it's so nice and calming to listen to. And they're so like experimental, but also still like mainstream. Right. I just think their their whole like discography has just been so legendary to me. It is. It really yeah. is. Um, you were gonna say something else? Were you gonna add another group in there? I mean, there's so many, but I'll just stick with that. Okay. <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, who would be your dream collaboration? Um. Hmm. Like to work with for myself. Um, I mean, I'd love to work with Drake. Um, but I'd also love to work with more women in the industry. Meg the Stallion or like Flo Millie or, um, you know, Nicki Minaj. Someone like that, I think. Love would be kind of a dream. Uh, laptop or recording studio? Laptop in the recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer so far. I never, yeah. I didn't see that coming. That's amazing. But I've seen lots of pictures on you uh, of you on Instagram doing exactly that. Yeah, great. using the board as a as a laptop stand, right? <laughs> yeah, it looks great. It's amazing. A lot of people might be mad at that, but uh, I don't think so. 
I think a lot of people might be glad at that too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite audio effect? My favorite audio effect? Um, I've been really loving delays lately. Uh, I recently got the Valhalla delay and I've just been experiment. I think it's just like the best delay ever. So I've so kind cool. of been incorporating it in all my newer stuff. And um, yeah, I'm stoked about that one. So what, what makes it better than all of the other delays? Um, it just has, it has more knobs you can tweak. It sounds amazing. Even running through the presets are amazing. You usually just have to tweak a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just got it's just got more to it than than most delays do. More you can be more creative with it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what's your favorite uh, aside from that one? What's your favorite VST? Like for like VST instrument or like plugin yeah, just for. Let's- Let's go with VST instrument. Um, I love the Spectrasonic stuff, obviously, Omnisphere and Keyscape. Um, I really love one called Diva and Repro. Oh, yeah, Diva. From, I think, Yuhi uh, or something. Yuhi, yeah. Yeah. Um, so good. Those are my mains. And the Arteria stuff is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Which song sounds great? Uh, which song sounds great? Um, of all time, like ever, like any <laughs> yeah. song. Yeah. Oh man, obviously, like, what do I reference? Um, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I still reference like Dr. Dre's The Chronic, to be honest with you. Mm. Like totally. some, of the, some of those old hip-hop albums just bang. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the I'd, Chronic I'd go is, with that. That's great. Great answer. I agree. Yeah. Okay, that's the end of the lightning round. How do you like the lightning round? That was fun. Kept me on my toes. That's the point of the lightning round. <laughs> um, so where are you originally from? Uh, I was born in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island. Uh, I grew up in Edmonton. And uh, I've just, just been hopping around Toronto and Vancouver, kind of between those. Lived in L.A. for a while. Um, it's kind of all over the place, but originally I'm from here, Vancouver. That's so cool. Yeah. Can you tell us about an early musical memory from when you were a kid? Um, yeah, I used to, my dad, I grew up with my dad who was a guitar player. And um, so he'd always just be playing, and I had to. I wanted to play drums so bad when I was growing up. Obviously, no parent wants to hear their kid like play drums, so it took him a couple of years and a lot of saving for me. But I finally bought a drum kit when I was maybe like 15, 16. And um, yeah, I would just jam with my dad to start out, and then eventually started bands and stuff with my friends and it's kind of how it got started so that's really cool yeah. um how how do you think that has influenced your productions or has it like being a drummer has got to influence your whole approach to everything right definitely i mean i started out playing jazz and stuff 
and learning how to read music and I played all through high school band and all that stuff um but honestly like I had to kind of unlearn a lot of the technical aspect of it and kind of simplify my process yeah um but um it's definitely still useful to have like it's yeah hmm yeah i get but, it you know what i find you know what this is just my theory is the more you understand the more you move towards understanding music and understanding complicated music the harder it is to write songs yeah like you just I, start overthinking stuff and like yeah being like oh i should be doing this or that or something and it's like no it, it really doesn't need to be like that at all like right some yeah. of the best produced the best producers i know have no musical background whatsoever and they just go off like their feeling or just their ears you know and that oh. kind of like always makes the best music so i always just try and kind of forget everything that i like learned growing up just to you know break it down for myself but yeah i think that's the best way because i'm i'm not saying don't learn anything about music theory or anything but it's only a tool right like it's yeah very, exactly and it provides these rules that aren't maybe necessary mm -hmm. um do you do you remember the very first time you heard your voice recorded and then played back like messing around with a tape recorder yeah yeah i remember yeah what was that like uh it was yeah it was i was in this band in high school with like it was just me and one other guy and he was like keyboard and we both did vocals and i had like a drum kit and a sampler and we were and we were just like doing like weird experimental hip-hop stuff and i would record my vocals what were we recording in this like little mixing unit i can't even remember what it was um yeah i don't know i thought i sounded pretty good back then but now i can't stand the sound of my own voice i'll it's never so do weird, it right? it's so weird yeah like am i really that nasally like everybody's super nasally yeah but... sucks <laughs> what was that band called can you tell us or do you want to keep that to yourself ah your experimental I mean, band i'd be hard pressed to remember <laughs> Fuck. did you guys ever play any live gigs uh yeah we played a couple shows around edmonton but nothing too serious cool after that that's when i decided i don't like working with people and i'd rather just make beats by myself <laughs> interesting that's a that's a big part of the process so okay so i i totally get that because it's way more efficient it's obviously the vision is from one person you don't have to convince somebody else about the vision exactly um, nowadays when you produce other people um is it a collaborative experience with them or do they sort of let you do your thing and then they add their thing? Does it go back and forth or how does that work? Uh, it really depends on the artist. Like um, when I work with like the 88 glam guys, like those are like my brothers, you know, like my best friends and stuff. So when we're working together, we'll make the beat together, write the lyrics together, write the melodies together. We just kind of do it all together, you know? So to me, that is like the funnest way of doing it. It's like you kind of have a, a hand in every step of the process. So that's okay. like, 
that's the most exciting to me. You know? Right. Yeah. And in that scenario, you find that people don't need to prove themselves. Like people aren't like, oh, I better get something on this track. Right. We're just we're just having so much fun, like love that bouncing ideas off each other and whatever, making melodies and like yeah, it's a, it's just a collaborative, like really fun like time, you know. That's so cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, if we go back in time again, do you remember the first album that you bought with your own money, or that at least you you <laughs> sought out yourself? I think it was like, actually, you know what? I, I didn't buy it, but I used to, my uncle had like a CD burner. So I used to give him like a list of songs and he would burn me CDs. And it was like, it was a lot of like Fat Joe and Ashanti and like, just like R&B and shit from that era, you know, Janet Jackson and all that. That's the stuff I liked so He'd always just burn me CDs. I'd give him a list of songs. and So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, aside from drums, do you play any other instruments? No, not well. Like, I can, I know, like, um, like, I can, I know, like, uh, scales and stuff on piano. And, like, I can find my way around pianos for sure. But um, not really, you know. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I I like uh, I like finding my way around a piano. It's I, yeah. I like not knowing what I'm doing on a piano. I really like the layout. It's just yeah. fun to play around on, you know. Exactly. You can like yeah. It's just such a creative like thing. You can just like yeah. It's fun. I wish I knew how to play bass. I think I want to learn how to play bass, but it's only four strings. How hard can it be right? How hard can it be? Exactly. One note at a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No chords. <laughs> so chords. easy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what, so what about some, uh, Oh, what's your favorite instrument by the way? Like not one that you play, but just the sound of, um, probably like saxophone. Cool. Yeah. I love saxophones and trumpets too. Do you put those into your productions these days? All the time, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. If you think about some of your early influences on you musically, uh, what were they? I'm sure you've mentioned some already, but what were they and have they stayed the same or have they changed? Um, I feel like it's always changing. But, um, my early influence were like, um, my first influences was definitely like Jay Dilla and Nujabes and, um, I love Nujabes started sampling jazz and stuff and mm. really digging for these like old sampleable records and just trying to emulate what he did, even though I didn't have the heart, the same hardware, um, I would make it on this little, like this little like DJ unit that was about this big. And I started making beats in the DJ software. And, um, I don't know. That's like the first beat I made. I was so stoked on. I was like, this is fire. Like, so I was like, yeah, listening to a lot of just like that stuff. A lot of the nineties golden era, like producers and stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Have you heard that beat recently? No, I wonder I if it is. 
I wonder if it is fire. I don't. It's probably not fire I, at I, all. <laughs> I I think it is. I think it probably is. Like I'm pretty surprised when I go back and listen to stuff that yeah. I think I'm going to be really embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. I'm I am a little bit, but I'm more I'm more surprised how all right it is. Really? Yeah. I have like, like I have like a CD book of all my old stuff. I just I don't even have a CD player anymore. I'm like. You should like, you should buy one and then listen to it because I it's funny because like I went back and heard some old stuff and I was like oh I'm gonna start doing that again <laughs> like I was like yeah you know, right that's grabbing, actually a good idea yeah grabbing tips off myself because some of the early stuff you were doing you know you were right on the money but then you you changed over the years right exactly like, yeah that's actually so true it's it's it was it was quite interesting for me to see how okay it was but but i noticed the vocals and the kick and the snare were all just too quiet which is like well that's 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 everything you know it's always the issue it's always always the issue um tell us about your first live performance what was that like was that with that experimental band uh yeah it would have been that just like in front of like family and friends probably okay um did it go well? I mean, you think so. Like, your family and friends are always going to support you, you know? Right. Always right. going to clap no matter how bad you fuck it up. <laughs> um, but I think my real first live performance was, like, probably playing in Toronto, like, um, with a guy who went by Drew Howard at the time. So we were just like playing our own music in like small venues and stuff and just make it as hype as possible. There'd be like 25 people there. <laughs> and you're so nervous. You're so nervous. But it's the most nervous ever, right? Yeah. I, yeah, st- but- I still have like, I don't know if I'd call them nightmares, but uh, I guess nightmares where I'm on stage with my band from the 90s and they just go one, two, three. And I'm like, I didn't practice any of this. And we're just live on stage and I got to play and I have no idea what we're doing. Like I make it work. I, <laughs> make it work. Dude. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did when I was in the band. I yeah. was like playing bass. I was like, I don't really play bass, but I'm in a band and I'm a bass player. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so weird. And then after a few shows, there's just no looking back from that. Exactly. Um, what's the best live show you've seen personally? It just blew you away. Um, the Roger Wat. I saw Roger Waters a lot, like probably fifteen years ago. That show was just mental. He had like the massive inflatable pig flying around the stadium, and like it was crazy. But my favorite show I ever saw was. Uh, um was the weekend because i got to sit right in the center behind the mixing board cool. so i really got to like see it front on for what it was and it was just like mind-blowing like the way that guy performs is just incredible That's awesome. so, was it really that was probably the most inspiring thing to see you know how important and connected is the live performance of the artists you work with and the production like does oh it, it's does... super important super okay. important for me it's like i don't know this 
definitely doesn't apply for everyone but for me when i'm even making the beat or whatever i'm always thinking of how will this go over live like that's always like my first train of thought before i even start it i'm like what would sound good in a live scenario you know because for us just want the shows to go as smoothly as possible you don't want to lose energy really at any point unless it's purposeful and uh, you just want to make sure the songs are in a place the whole way through that is going to be captivating to the audience you know so is that uh instrumentation wise you're gonna you're gonna pare down the instrumentation when you're writing the track yeah instrumentation wise structure wise like just vibe in general whether it's dark or happy or whatever you know so it all plays a part frequency wise do you sort of figure out the tuning of the kick or that do you do you have certain kick drums or certain frequencies you go to or do you just do it by whatever feels right or how do you approach that i definitely have go-to sounds for sure um switch it up but i definitely have go-to kicks and stuff um yeah i have like maybe like five kicks that i rotate through on every single beat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh they just slap harder than anything else so that's cool yeah do you do a lot of layering of drum sounds no i don't layer at all ever layering wow. i always like uh i just i'm a minimalist when it comes to production so i think like just finding that one sound that just sonically fits whatever you're doing is like that's what's important to me, you know? I find layering just can just, like, sometimes create phase issues or whatever, but, like, I just, like, sound selection is my biggest thing, I think, you know? Like, cool. I'll run through sounds for hours just, like, trying to find the right one. So do you have a folder, a go-to Alex on Weed folder, where you know there's going to be, like, 20 or 30 or 10 decent kick drums in there? Yeah, I have massive, a uh, huge folder full of samples, and it's all organized. Um, I know my go-tos, and then, um, yeah, I'm very, like, OCD about that shit, so, like, I keep all my drum samples very organized, and I know exactly where I'm going and what I'm doing when I'm looking for something, so it just makes the process a lot quicker, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you organize it? Color coding, naming? Do you have a bunch of like five stars in front of the first letter? I'll just have like my favorite sounds and then 808s, kick, snare, hats, whatever. And then all my favorite sounds in those folders, you know? So I can just, if I need to, if I make a beat quickly, I'll just go to those folders always. And I know, I'll know it sounds good every time. What's the first thing you usually lay down in a track? Is it the kick drum pattern? Uh, Is it a melody? I, I usually make melodies first, almost always. But lately in the past like two months, I've been making drums first. And it's been really interesting. It's been fun. Because you kind of get a bounce going before you have a melody. And then, I don't know, it's kind of a... I've kind of been liking it better lately, to be honest. Hmm, but I tr- I try to switch it up a little bit with every track I make just to like keep the inspiration going. I find if you're doing the same thing every time, it just gets redundant and you, you just might get a creative block or something. So 
to avoid that, just try and change it up, you know? Right. Yeah. What creates a bounce tempo? Uh, temp tempo is a big part of it. Tempo and the bounce really is in your, like, is in your hi-hat patterns, I find, for the most part. If you can find, like, a cool hi-hat pattern, like, I'll always start with claps or snares and then hi-hats also. And then, um, yeah, that's that's really how you can how you can find a sick bounce. I love it. Is that something you learned from Dilla? Uh, it's not actually. I just learned that from just studying other producers and how they're doing it. Mostly Toronto guys, and um, yeah, they seem to all kind of do it that way. So I was like, it just found better rather than starting with eight oh eights and stuff. With 808s, I usually like to just have a simple, consistent pattern because that's your low end. You don't really want to fuck with that too much. Um, so I really try and get as bouncy as possible with the hi-hats and percussion and that kind of stuff, you know? That's great. Do you mix your own stuff or do you hand it off to somebody else? Uh, I mix it to a point and then if it's getting placed, then it'll always get mixed later. So... I don't really, I don't mix it like, I just mix it to the point where it sounds good, you know? Right. And the artist can listen back and be like, oh, this sounds amazing. Right. But I wouldn't like say a, I'm not professionally mixing it, you know, like, yeah. So are you mostly writing tracks and then either you or somebody else is playing them for artists and artists are deciding if they're going to use this track? Is that how it rolls? That's part of it. Yeah. Like. Like I said, some of the artists I work with, we're all in the same room, all doing it together, even right. producing together. Um, but sometimes I just send beats off to, like the people I'm working with in LA, I'm just sending them instrumentals mostly. They'll kind of tell me the vibe that they want and I'll try and emulate that as good as I can. And, um, it's just not as fun that way, you know? I like being in the studio with the artists. That's like, my best work always comes out that way, so. Right. Like yeah. the back and forth where there's, it's, it's exchanging hands exactly. via communication. Exactly. Cause I like having a say in like vocal melodies and all that kind of thing too. Lyrics. Right. Like I'm good at all that stuff too, you know? So, um, it's just more fun. You just build off the energy that, that you create in the room. And oftentimes you're just like partying or just having a good time together. And like that always creates the best music. Definitely does. Yeah. Definitely does. Classic Futchman quote is all the best songs are the ones you write in five minutes to make the squad laugh, right? Mm -hmm. Um always. Um <laughs> it's always when you're just joking around. That's when the that's when the heat comes. And then the artist yeah. never wants to record those ones. They're like, Oh, that was just a joke. It's like, yeah, that's the hit. Yeah, that's, that's the, the hit. hit. That's always the hit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The next question comes from Tamara Edelman. What has been your biggest career high and your biggest career challenge so far? Um, my biggest career high was definitely uh, when I moved to Toronto and we formed that group called 88 Glam. Uh, we were all like super broke on welfare, like just struggling to like, eat like anything you know couldn't afford clothing or any of that shit and like we were just making this album in our kitchen 
and then it got picked up and just kind of exploded. It went from like having nothing to like doing really well just kind of overnight and that was like that was definitely the most exciting time. It's always that first like success, you know what I mean? Mhm. And I'd say the biggest challenge is trying to maintain that trying to always like one up yourself and and keep the fans happy and like um just make sure you're you're progressing but still sticking to to what people were got into you in the first place for you know what i mean yeah totally yeah i i think both of those things are probably true for a lot of artists like i remember with my band, we started doing exactly what you're saying. We just sort of did stuff that we liked and then people just loved it. <laughs> you know, as soon as we stopped trying to do something and we just did something that we liked, people really connected with that. And then the second part is like you said, it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to just keep putting out the same thing for the rest yeah. of your life. Mm -hmm. You have to like switch it up. Yeah, so you got to progress. You got to progress. That's that's difficult. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, what are you probably best known for? Like, what do other people recognize you for? The most famous thing you've done? Um, I don't really know. To be honest, I'm so like oblivious on social media and stuff, and like all that. I'm just kind of in my own world all the times, but um, I don't know. I kind of brought um, Toronto had this like really dark sound, and I think one of my goals was to like lighten it up a little bit and start using some like major melodies and like you know just kind of lighten the mood a little bit. So that's really I had cool. these. You had these like artists known for like being on like the darker side of things to like getting on bouncier like happier beats and i think that's kind of was my contribution to to the city and its sound and the evolution of it and just like i think that kind of sparked a wave of of creativity in other toronto artists that were like oh we can like go outside the box we don't have to stick to this like mold that the whole world has kind of boxed us into and so I think that's kind of what people recognize me for is that's just great. kind of changing that a little bit, you know, stirring that pot. That's really cool. So not only as an artist, do you have to sort of escape your pigeonholed sound, but mm -hmm. you were at the time living in a city that was known for having that sound. So you yeah. almost like the Seattle sound in the nineties, right? Everybody's sort of expected to put out the same type of music, which is cool mm -hmm. because the world's noticing. Mm -hmm. um, but also, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. I love that. Um, what is, what are you like, what's a track that you are really proud of? being a part of in some way either producer or any other way um my favorite song i ever made was this song called 12 off our first project that was the song that kind of it's the song that got us signed like to exo and um it just kind of had like 
such a unique energy to it. And that's the song that really like kind of blew us up and, and put us on the map. Um, everyone was like, oh, this is like the best song out of the city in years kind of thing. And like people just really, really loved it. And it was it was very simple, but very tastefully done. And um, yeah, I was just so proud of that one. I still am. It's still my favorite song I've ever made. That's so cool. Yeah. So getting signed, you mentioned getting signed. Getting signed is such a, you know, goal for a lot of artists. And it's this, this thing you try to reach and it's, it's completely out of reach until it isn't. So can you tell us about the process of getting signed? What, what did that feel like? Did you celebrate? Was that when the work just started? Like, take us back to those days. Uh, yeah, it was like, it was kind of, it was pretty surreal because, um, I don't know if you know about EXO at all, but they, they don't really sign anyone. Like they have like five artists on their roster. Wow. It's like one of the hardest labels to like get the attention of in the world probably. So like to get approached by them and like actually signed by them, we were like, whoa, like what the fuck? Like how is this really happening? You know, but, um, you just all of a sudden are in a whole different world than what you're used to around people that you never thought you'd be around and just kind of changes overnight, you know? Right. There's obviously bad that comes with it too. Um, but I didn't see so much of that. I stayed independent throughout the whole time. Um, I was getting a lot of offers from different record labels and stuff, but I always wanted to stay independent, keep all my percentages and everything. So That's I cool. kind of, but just like seeing, because I was so affiliated with that and them, like I definitely reaped the benefits too. But, um, right. Yeah, it was a blessing. It was a, definitely a blessing. Did the signing part take a long time or was it quick from when they showed interest to when it was sort of official? Uh, it was about a four-month ordeal, I would say. From it's pretty, it's pretty quick. November 2017 and signed around February 2018, maybe March. So it was pretty quick. What about the time between when you signed and when the first release or track came out? Was that a long time? Because a lot of times it takes forever for things to come out. We released the album independently and we got signed, but it was okay. So basically we were under management by the label. So we had a management contract with them, but not a record deal. So we dropped our first project technically independently. And then we got signed four months later, and then we signed over the rights to that album. So then they re-released the album, but like a, an extended version with uh, like four or five bonus songs. Right. So that was kind of how that process played out. That's cool. That's pretty quick all in all. Yeah, it was fast. It was fast. Um, what's your favorite part when you're producing a track or writing a track starting or finishing oh man you don't even finish about 99 percent of the songs you make but um <laughs> basically the way we work is like you might make 10 songs in a night and just lay down hooks you know 
and then like from there you just kind of pick maybe the one or two best ones and then you finish it from there so that first the the initial like writing session is always the funnest because you're just like banging out song after song after song and um that's just when like you're most creative and the energy is the highest and you're just running through ideas really quickly and it's just it's exciting it's fun what do you do with those tracks that you don't use do you just bail on them completely or do they go into like a folder like that you might uh, work on again uh most of them just get completely scrapped um but once in a while we'll go back and revisit something and be like oh this was actually really good you know and right. work on it i keep everything i never like throw anything away yeah thousands and thousands of songs in my drives but so um cool. yeah most of them will never see the light of day <laughs> not with that attitude they won't let's let's re <laughs> let's put out a let's put out like a let's put them online let's put them in a g drive and let let the, the lost fans tapes. sort through it the lost tapes the alex on weed lost tapes I bet oh, people man. could come up with some cool stuff with that, right? Probably, I'm sure. But... What about like sample and loop packs? There's, you probably have like 50 sample and loop packs sitting there waiting to be released in those folders. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. For sure. I, I should actually go back to that and see what I have because there might be some heat in there. I'm sure there is. I guarantee there is. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I bet there's got to be a couple of legendary tracks in there. I just don't go back to my old stuff so much. I like that's good. I always like creating new stuff, you know, and coming up with new ideas. But I should spend a day or two just revisiting old stuff. Well, perspective changes everything, right? Like you know, like when you're writing stuff and you're like, "Oh, this is junk," and then and then you hear it like an hour later. Even sometimes you're like, "Wow, this is amazing." You yeah. just gotta you gotta get out of your own uh, head sometimes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the portion of the program called the Fast Track Assignment, which is where you're going to tell us something that you're pretty great at and then mm -hmm. give us a little sort of uh, uh, process where we, the listeners, can practice doing that thing so that we can be like you. Um, I think, um, okay. It's going to be a couple things. Um, I love it. If you're basically, I'll start with like a melody when I'm making a beat. My, I think my strength is just like, I'm in so many different areas of the creation of the process that like, I'll just say creating as a whole is like my strength, you know, from start to finish. So like if you're creating a melody, uh, just make it as unique as possible and stay away from it sounding like it's car commercial music and just make it like i always try and just make it as unique as possible using new sounds new instruments and then add drums over top and then often just make the beat in a few minutes and then you should in the same session i'll have like my vocal chain and everything all my sends already set up and then you just start recording and then with that you can kind of like change the beat around to their vocals because it's all in the same session you know what i'm saying so like they'll just record some shit i already have all my like my sick chain set up and everything so it already sounds amazing you know 
Right. And then base and then basically from there you just do a little bit of editing, this and that, and then um yeah, before you know it you have like an already nice sounding almost complete song after like maybe an hour or two, you know? That's great. So I think that's kind of just having it all prepared already in the session. I have like numerous different templates depending on like what kind of vibe I'm going for. Some will have like different reverb effects or different delay effects and then others will have like I'll open the session and already have like the VSTs and stuff that I like ready to go. I already have the drum sound set up that I like. So it just like speeds the process up and you're always catering to the artist, right? So if the artist is ready to record, you just you have to be ready because they might have a great idea that you just have to be ready to record like from the jump, you know? Right. You don't want to miss that magical moment when they're first getting excited about it and so you just have to be really just prepared, I guess. Is the it's the biggest thing. What's your DAW of choice? Oh man. Uh for making beats FL Studio and then I uh, I do all my recording in Ableton. Lately. And so do you bring do you sort of uh bring the stems in from FL or do you bounce it all down to a stereo and bring it into live? Just bounce just bounce an MP3, throw it in sometimes. But often that's only been my process recently. Usually I I'm making the beat in Ableton and recording the vocals in Ableton. Right. But uh lately I've been getting into FL. I really like the way it sounds. So Interesting. I've been doing that. I might start recording in FL Studio soon, we'll see. What do you mean you like the way it sounds? How does it sound? Uh, it's loud. It's super loud. It's just like, you don't, I don't know. It's, I find there's just something magical about FL Studio. Like you don't have to mix as much. Like you just can kind of like throw on a soft clipper or limiter and just kind of mix into it. Right. And your beat will sound like just smackingly loud and like. Cool. That's usually what artists want nowadays is just like super loud and just slaps. So I've been kind of getting more into that, you know. That's great. Yeah. Um, what are you currently obsessed with? Um, currently obsessed with. Hmm. I'm currently obsessed with. I don't know. I'm obsessed with so many things. I'm obsessed. I'm currently obsessed with making bass lines. I guess <laughs> that's a good one. I love adding real bass to songs. I think it adds so much. And then often you'll have the 808 come in later or something. But especially for like R and B and stuff, it's just I use Trillion, um, which Sounds is legit. another another Spectrosonics. Uh, it just has like incredible bass sounds. And lately I've just been obsessed with making really intricate bass lines and stuff. So, yeah. Love it. Yeah, I get yeah. obsessed with a lot of stuff too. I think it's good. Like what? So now, right now I'm obsessed with audiobooks, architecture, and how architecture and music are, are connected. And then that led to how everything's connected to music and how music's one of the most important things in the world.
And then that, that quote by Nikola Tesla, everybody's going to get sick of me saying this, but that quote by Nikola Tesla, if you want to understand the mysteries of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration, that quote is just always around me and it's telling me to do something. I don't know what it is yet. I kind of know what it is. Um, I kind of been doing it for my whole life, but, um, but I just love seeing how all that stuff connects together. So you take something like architecture and music, which you think wouldn't be connected and they're completely connected. They're, they're absolutely connected. So I think that's my, is, is that's my obsession is finding patterns and everything. Um, That's so cool. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's all just physics at the end of the day, right? I think so. Yeah. Physics is physics is is the answer to life, I think. That you might be onto something. <laughs> I saw this uh this sort of like 5-hour conspiracy documentary and it was all about how arches are, are actually like energy capacitors and cathedrals are actually old energy capacitors from thousands of years ago. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. true or not. But it made a lot of sense to me. You ever like, you know, you look at an old church that's like 200 years old and you're like, how were they building stuff like that 200 years ago, 500 years ago, a thousand years ago? And we're using drywall. Like what, what happened? What happened here? Something got switcherooed, right? It's the Freemasons. You'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. This video has been flagged for content from. It's been taken off YouTube uh, due to its graphic. Con- I don't know. Um, okay, moving off. Uh, moving off of the conspiracy stuff. Although we can do that on another podcast if you want. Okay, let's do it. Love it. Um, oh, I, one thing I want to before I uh, continue on with my line of questioning, I want to. I want to go back to something you were talking about. Can you tell us a little bit about the content? of your vocal chain are you able to reveal some of the components of that for us even just just general yeah okay cool um it's a lot of e it's it's a lot of eqing it's about three pro cues um wow i don't i don't use any hardware actually i learned that from you anything you can do outside the box you can do inside the box footchman um it's a lot of EQs. I'll cut. I'll do uh, a. Um, I'll do a low cut at about minus eight decibels from about five to seven k down. So I'm basically cutting out everything low, and then I kind of add the lows back in, just so they're more controlled. Um, I've been using. Um, What's that thing called? There's this new. There's this multiband that's that's. It's my new sauce. It's um. It's called like the MC2000 or something. It's hold on. Let me pull this up really quick. It's so good. Um. But yeah, that I really love the Eosis uh, DSer. Um. And uh, hold on one second here. What do you love about that DSer in particular? Uh, it adds a nice high end. I find it like it pulls out all the frequencies you don't want, and it adds like a really cool like kind of high end that I like. Um, 
Yeah, the uh, McDSP. The yeah, this is what it is. The MC. I think four hundred four. Okay. Yeah, the MC four hundred four from McDSP. That's that's my secret sauce right now. Shout out add McDSP. That. Shout out McDSP, and then I'll have um, uh, three C6s, th- usually three to five C6s, all cutting like very small frequency bands. So like I'll usually have a cut around like 12 to 13K, usually have a cut around in the, in the harsh five to seven that everyone hates, and then I'll usually have a cut around one to two, one to 4K, anywhere around there. And you just obviously use your ears, but um, yeah, I'm all about using very narrow because a lot of the time with multiband compression, you you lose the power in the vocal. Mm. But if you do it with very narrow um, cue width, then it it you can still get lose the harsh frequencies without losing the power in the vocal. So just kind of been focusing on that. That's a heavy chain, and I assume you just record raw, and then all of this processing is done later, right? No, it's all on there. You Sounds, track through it. I'll track through all of it. I love it. That's great. God has, has to sound like a finished record while they're recording, you know? That's amazing. That's that's genius. Um, so any latency problems? No, never. No? If it, if 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 you usually you get like maybe a couple milliseconds, but if an artist is super picky about that, then I'll just go to uh, the Universal Audio stuff because it's has basically right. no latency at all. So <laughs> right, right, okay. So for for the listeners that don't really understand this process, and just to just to be clear, you're bringing your signals in through like an input channel, doing all this processing on it, and then taking the output of that channel and and bringing it into a new track on which you record this processed audio is that correct basically i'll have like in ableton you can create groups and so i'll have my entire vocal chain at the on the group and then you just have your tracks underneath that and you record it and anything being recorded is going through that vocal chain so um, and then from there, you can have all your sends, you add your reverb, delays, or whatever, and then it's just super odd, easy to like automate those. You can do like reverb throws or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. That's awesome. But I keep, I, I'll just like, by the time I'm mixing, just making very minor adjustments to the chain because it already sounds so good. It's already very dialed in, you know? Right. Do you sort of like do minor adjustments like, per vocalist and but it but you're sort of de facto setting sort of work for everybody exactly and the reason i and that's the reason i i switched over to using multi-band like i stopped doing eq cuts and stuff because nowadays like a vocalist might change their cadence every bar so it's like are you really going to go in and eq each bar separately like no so with like multi-band you can it just kind of rides the vocal for you and you don't really have to do too much or worry too much about that. So that's why I started doing it that way rather than my old way, which was like making a million different little cuts and finding all the bad frequencies. Is like you don't have to do all that, you know? Right. You know? Have you ever tried any of those smarty cues like Gulfoss or Soothe? I, ha- I use Soothe. I'll use Soothe in mixing just because Soothe is a, a lot of latency. You can't really record with it. Right. 
Uh, sometimes if I find there's like harsh mids and stuff that I can't control so easily, I'll go to Soothe. But again, Soothe you have to use very carefully. Um, because of the bandwidth? Yeah, it just, again, it can take like a lot of the sauce out of the vocal too. So you gotta use it, you know, sparingly. But um, Golfos is sick. I love Golfos. It's my favorite plugin of all time. That goes on the master. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's amazing. 20, Twenty-seven up, twenty-seven down. There you go. <laughs> it's it's an incredible plugin for sure. It really is. I love Game it. Game so changer. Much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, shout out Sound Theory. Yeah. Um. What do you still want to learn? Uh, I want to learn how to how to play piano better. I want to learn how to mix better. And those are my two main focuses right now. Is just learning piano and just getting my mixes to a point where I'm just a lot more confident in them. I guess. What would so, make? What would make? Sorry, go ahead. Just make them so like. Um, yeah, just I like I already have I'm already like decent at mixing, um, but I just always am trying to take it to another level. I think, like creatively especially, and just using creating kind of effects and stuff that people haven't heard before or maybe no one else is doing. That's always kind of what I'm what I'm trying to do is is figure out the next thing, you know. Awesome, originality, excitement. Yeah, all that good stuff. In your opinion, what makes a great song? Um, honestly, the rule there's really no rules nowadays. Like, you can have like a one-minute song that's so incredible because it has replay value, and you might just play that song ten times over before you go to the next one. Um, I think what just makes a good song is really. Uh, I think taste for me is just being tasteful. Doesn't matter like what it is, as long as it's tasteful and like not cheesy. I guess um, that's cool. definitely it. Like it basically encapsulates a vibe or a feeling or something and does it well. You know, that's really cool. I love that. Um, so I talked about some non-musical influences architecture what are some non-musical influences that influence your productions and your music like where do you find inspiration from aside from other music uh funnily enough also architecture um i used to study it as a kid like obviously loved the frank lloyd wrights and the oscar niedermeyers and frank gary's and like I've always loved architecture, but I think lately is traveling for me. I just love traveling. That inspires me more than anything, I think. Just being in different cities, meeting different people, working with different people. Um, yeah, I just I just love traveling, man. That's great. Yeah. What, what would be a, a destination? Like, what's your dream destination that you've never been to, but you've always wanted to go? Um. I, well, I'm a, I almost bought a ticket to Bali the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks so beautiful there. I haven't I haven't actually been to Asia yet, so I wanted to explore Asia a little bit. Um, 
Vietnam probably. So I'm thinking, I'm planning a trip for a few months from now. Just going to go out there, maybe even by myself. Just bring my laptop, make music, and just go travel around a little bit. That would be fire. Just have to wrap a few projects first. But um, yeah, I really want to see that part of the world. And I love the States so much, like I'll probably settle down there. But for now, I'm just... I have the travel bug, especially after COVID. I just want to get out there and yeah, right. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay. What advice do you have for up and coming music producers and artists? Um. The best advice I can give you is just, you know, be fearless with it. Like, if you you kind of do really got to fake it till you make it. Like when I started, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to mix or make beats. I just threw myself into it and you just make it work as you go. And the way you learn the most is being in those situations where you're under a lot of pressure and you just need to make it happen no matter what. So I think that is the best thing for me is just be fearless with it. Don't be like, don't let your, fears hold you back you know That's if you want to work with someone message them if they invite you to the studio be there early and you know even if you don't have beats for them just make one on the spot and you know just get in there and do it that's great yeah little little bit of fear is good right a little bit it never goes away so you might as well get used to it <laughs> that's awesome yeah um so I was mentioning I'm I'm kind of a audiobook obsessive lately mostly because I I can't really read because my my brain just reads like the first line of a book and then I just start writing my own movie in my head. I don't know <laughs> if you're like that or if you can if you can read a book for more than 5 minutes, but have you read any books or listened to any audiobooks lately that are inspiring? Oh man, um I used to read a lot as a teenager, but I honestly haven't read in a long time. Um, I really liked just like fiction, though. I don't know, just like interesting fiction novels. Um, I don't. I've never listened to an audiobook in my life. Um, yeah, I used to love to read. I really should start doing that again. <laughs> there you go. What, what have you? What have you been listening to, though? What What kind of like, dude? Uh, like. So some of it is like sort of uh, business stuff and some of it's more like Buddhism, Vedic wisdom, the Kabbalion, like sort of super inspiring stuff that way. Spiritual stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the one I'm, I'm uh, listening to right now is the presentation techniques of Steve Jobs. And it's way more fascinating than that than that sounds like it would be like you no, know what does he, sound very interesting when he went out and did those keynote addresses for apple right like the legendary ones where he like released the iphone or whatever all the stuff that went into those presentations and how he presents products it's all methodical and it's all planned very calculated very calculated but but yeah. it, it also comes across like a performer or like you're presenting a song it doesn't come across as calculated it comes across mm -hmm. as exciting like yeah. i i think um i think he said something like uh, uh apple is releasing three new products today and he showed the iphone it's just like oh cool yeah 
cool, you know, just letting people connect the dots and wrap their heads around that and, and giving people a, a battle cry for, you know, it's just a, it's just a phone. It's just mm-hmm. a damn phone. Right. But yeah. you present it to them that it's this cultural event and just that's super fascinating. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some things I, I think I'm not going to be inspired by, and then I end up getting completely sidetracked going down mm-hmm. some rabbit hole of inspiration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's one thing that the listeners should learn to master if they want to get in music production that the listeners should master like what do you mean like one skill or one piece of software or one like studio component like eq what's one thing they should become a master of just your your daw thousand percent always like that'll take you so far in like whether it's like, you know, making beats or like recording someone, I think just knowing that software inside out and how to use it efficiently and quickly as possible is like, will take you so far. You'll never be out of a job if you know that. Like, you'll always have work to do. People will always like want to hire you because you're quick and efficient with it and know what you're doing. And if you can make it sound really good while they're recording, and they can leave the studio with a finished product that sounds like it could be on the radio already. It's like, that's the biggest thing nowadays. People don't really make demos anymore, you know? It's like, you go in the studio, you finish it, and often you're mixing on the fly, and by the time they leave, they have a complete song and that they can listen to in their car on the way home, and it sounds professional, you know? That's so amazing. That's, that's definitely the biggest thing. That's for great. sure. That's awesome advice. I think it's kind of like that in any industry too, especially like I have friends who are into design and stuff. And, and if you know, like those design programs and how to work with them super quickly and like know those inside and out, those are the people who go the farthest, you know? Right. Even yeah. if you can get it 80% of the way, just so they can see what the vision looks yeah. like mm-hmm. is, is good enough. Right. Yeah. That's it's great. Huge. That huge. is huge. Um, all right, let's wrap it up with, uh, your call to action. So why don't you tell us about some of the stuff that you're working on now, if you're allowed to, if you can reveal that stuff, um, and basically where the listeners can find out more about you. Uh, well, I just have my website up, alexonweed.com and it has all my productions, um, releasing a new project with 88 glam in the next few months. Um, working on, we're just wrapping up, uh, Derek Wise's solo album right now, uh, which I'm very excited about. And, uh, I'm also just finished a project with Matt Mills, actually. Cool. Um, which is sounding very, very unique. I'm actually really excited about that one too. That's awesome. A few other ones with some artists I can't name, but you'll see those in the future too. Love it. Yeah. Uh, shout out Matt Mills. Shout out Matt Mills. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to say to the listeners? I mean, I keep saying the listeners, but right now there are no listeners, but hopefully there will be in the future. Shout out yeah. future listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, as I said before, if you're looking to get into it, just, you know, don't be afraid to 
put yourself out there and move to that city that you think is like will benefit your career just you know just be fearless with it and and go all in you know because that's the people who go all in are the ones who, who really take it the farthest so i think that's always it's always a good way to do it that's awesome yeah so much inspiring stuff thank you so much for doing this you are awesome thank you Futchman. i appreciate it man no worries yeah everybody that's alex on weed Thank you.